what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films. This is The Mesh's show on movie reviews and discussion here on TheMesh.tv. I'm Alan Jackson. With me as always, Chris Fry. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Don't let the deep voice fool you. I'm getting over a cold. So yeah, this is actually anybody, Chris. Just in case anybody yeah. was worried, we did not replace Chris Fry right. with a deeper, huskier voiced uh, individual. <laughs> Chris is uh, recovering from a little a little illness there. You feeling better, though? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're at the tail end of it, right? Where the, the voice is just cruddy sounding. The, the voice is cruddy, but uh, with a little cold medicine I just took, you know, just minutes ago, we should we should have an excellent podcast. Oh. I may kind of digress into like random hallucinations, but, you know, hey, all the better. Great. We actually have a couple people in the room, which I'm not really used to when we record our Foot Candle film show. But we have uh, our new uh, new producer, Nick. Nick? Hi. Yep, he's back there. He says <laughs> hi to everybody. We also have Caitlin here, who's looks like taking notes. I don't know if she's taking notes on us or what she's, she's doing. She's playing solitaire. <laughs> she's here. Yeah, she's out there getting us a little more exposure. So I'm uh, glad to have some people here in the room helping us out with this. And now, Chris, you and I can just focus exclusively on our riveting content that we have to gotcha. share with our listeners today. Can do. All right. So this is Foot Candle Films. Uh, we'll go through some movie reviews. We're going to talk about some uh, movie news coming up and cap it off with our recommendations. Uh, Chris, with the Oscar ceremony coming up in a couple of weeks, feel like maybe it's a good time to catch up on reviews of two of those Best Picture nominees. So we've got two reviews we're going to do here at the, uh, at the first part of the show. We'll be discussing the films Zero Dark Thirty and Silver Linings Playbook. We'll follow that up after a break with some movie news. And then, like we always try to do on our show, we're going to end with a recommendation of a film. Hopefully, it'll be one that we can actually, people can find online. We like the idea of these being online recommendations that you could actually watch from your own home, whether it be on iTunes or Netflix or some other service like that. But first, let's go ahead and talk about the reviews. First one up we've got to talk about is a somewhat controversial but very heavily Oscar-nominated film, Zero Dark Thirty. 20 detainees recognize that photo. No birth certificate, no cell phone. The guy's a ghost. He's right in the inner circle. The whole world's gonna win in on this. I want targets. Where was the last time you saw Bin Laden? Oh my god, is that what I think it is? Where was the last time you saw Bin Laden? Chris, Zero Dark Thirty is one of those films where a real life story is being told. Wait. Uh, hmm? It is real? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I probably <laughs> Maybe I just have. hibernated for the past like <laughs> 10 years. Okay. Yes, in case you weren't aware, Zero Dark Thirty, a real life story. You know, the investigation, the hunt for those responsible for the terrorist attack of 9-11. The viewer watching this movie, we know the ultimate outcome. Right. We know what's going to happen at the end of this movie. Sure. Uh, We know it's going to end with al-Qaeda terrorist leader Osama bin Laden being killed by the Navy SEAL Team 6 uh, back in May of 2011. 
That's a known quantity. Gotcha. But with films like this, we don't always know all the exact proceedings, dealings, negotiations that lead between point A and point B. Films like this are meant to kind of fill in those gaps and show you everything that you didn't quite know was really transpiring between these two pivotal events that the general public's aware of. I look at it a lot like a film like JFK from many years ago, where you have this big event and then you get to see the behind the scenes story that kind of followed it and get to know a little bit more of the proceedings, uh, the the discussions, the dealings, the all those things that are happening behind the scenes that the general public wasn't really aware of at the time. So some people could argue that, you know, when you've got these behind the scenes of a real life event that the filmmakers may be able to take a little liberty with making it a little more dramatic, a little more Hollywoodized, I guess, for a bit lack of a better term, than what really happened. So my question to you, just kind of kick off the conversation, watching Zero Dark Thirty, did you feel like you were watching a true reenactment of the story that took place, or were you watching a more Hollywood-friendly version of The Hunt for Bin Laden? Well, I guess my answer would fall that my feelings on the movie lie somewhere in between, because I didn't feel like it was a complete documentary type okay. because, you know, I could tell that some actions were heightened to make sure. you know, it interesting right. as far as storytelling movie. But on the flip side of that, I mean, I felt like it didn't spoon feed you things. Mm-hmm. Um, the very opening scene just kind of throws you into a scene of interrogation yeah. and doesn't really say, okay, here, here's what's exactly what's going on. Here's where these events may lead. You just, you're kind of thrown into things and you just have to kind of figure out, kind of what's going on. Good point. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed the movie because I felt like I kind of got some understanding of some of those behind the scenes elements that you're talking about. Right. But in the same respect, sometimes I felt like it would have been better served by a documentary just because I didn't, I didn't feel like I actually have any better understanding in some respects. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a mixed bag, but the acting in the movie is what was strong to me. Jessica Chastain, who plays the, uh, Maya? Maya. Okay. Mm-hmm. She she was good, but the, actually the guy who, and he wasn't, I guess you wouldn't call him a lead character, but for me, and I'd never seen him before, but he looked kind of familiar, maybe in a weird kind of way, even though I said I'd never seen him before. There's the cold medicine kicking in. Jason Clark. Yes. Have you I seen him no, before? No, I had okay. not. But I had him listed as one of my likes in the film as well. He was, he was our... He was a fellow officer with Maya early right. on. And, and he's, he's there in that opening scene. He's kind of a torture expert. I mean, yep. he knows what he's doing in the torture world. Yep, <laughs> definitely. Um, actually, his character was probably the one that sparked the most controversy, I think, from people watching this film. Um, no, I, I agree with you. He was really good. And I, I liked how he then, you know, he's there in the beginning of the film. He's there doing the interrogations. And he's kind of helping Maya a little bit and then he kind of disappears, but then he comes back and he's in like a Washington position and the differences between that, between his setup in the middle East and his setup back in DC, it's just, it's interesting. I assume it's somewhat factual because you know, this was based on Mm -hmm. accounts. So, um, I, I don't know. I found his character really interesting and Jessica Chastain, she was interesting from a perspective of, she was kind of like a slow build and you kind of, but I still felt she was kind of reserved and not as like over the top yelling, screaming as she could have been as far as like getting all the emotion. Mm-hmm. So uh, those two performances really, I guess, sold the film for me. Um, what, what were your thoughts on? I, I'm really, I'm mixed on the film. Okay. I really am. And I'll tell you, I, there are parts of it I really, really appreciated. Okay. To me, the final raid sequence, which oh. those who haven't seen the film, the whole last 45 minutes, maybe. 
of the film is the actual raid on Bin Laden, or the compound where Bin Laden was staying at the time. And it's all shot with a lot of night vision goggles footage. It's all, of course, at nighttime. You're watching the team as they infiltrate this compound and get in there and complete the mission. And it's a very complex, detailed sequence. But it's very, very tense the way it was put together. You know, you even though there again, we know the outcome. We know what's going to happen. We still found ourselves kind of wondering what was going to be around each corner that the team uh, rounded and were they going to get, you know, attacked or anything like that. Right. It, that was a great sign of a, of a really well done directed scene where we already know the outcome, but we're still extremely excited and nervous for it the whole time. With the exception of one of those people being miscast. But one person being miscast. All right. <laughs> Are you talking uh, about Chris Platt from uh, Parks and Recreation? I'm definitely t- and I like him, yeah. but not in he was, this. He was still playing, kind of playing the goofy part, yeah. and it didn't work. And you me, see those right. movie trailers that were really popular, I guess, in the, the 90s, where you would have a scene playing out, and then all of a sudden you hear that, like the record needle scratching across, and then like, okay, when he came on screen, that was what that was for me. I was like, whoa. And he delivers like little funny lines. I'm like, okay. Other than that, like you're saying, the last yeah. 45 minutes worked really well for me, but his introduction and kind of involvement in it just really didn't... Yeah, he's pretty much playing the same character he does on the sitcom Parks and Recreation, which doesn't seem like it would be a good fit for the show, for this movie. Right. I agree. It was a little... It was. I didn't mind it as much, I think, as you did, but it did bother me a little bit. Um, but overall, that last 45-minute sequence, I thought was just brilliant, the way it was put together from a filmmaking standpoint. Yeah, so I really I like that. Uh, I do want to say Kyle Chandler, who I'm just a big fan of Kyle Chandler anyway, from Friday Night Lights days. Anybody who used to watch that show in the movie. Uh, well, he wasn't in the movie, but he was in the TV show. And he was in Super 8. Right? He was in Super 8, okay. even though I'm not going to hold that against him. Oh, um, Alan. <laughs> Alan, Kyle Chandler Alan. as Joseph Bradley, a CIA chief, I thought was really good. I had Jason Clark down also as uh, putting in a very good performance. And, you know, the thing is, I think they handled the tone of this film just right. Um I was actually really impressed in the opening minutes. Uh, if you recall, it's you hear sounds from 9-11. Oh, right. But no footage, no sentimental, over-the-top, yeah. soaring music. There are no images no. of 9-11, which would it's, be very easy to use. It's about a one-minute montage of right. just hearing audio from that day. Right. That's all they had to give you. They didn't need to show you a montage. They didn't need to show footage from the day. It was basically, okay, now we're into the story. Now we're at the torture scene that you described mm-hmm. with no real lead up, no explanation. We kind of got jumped in headfirst on that. Right. And the fact that even at the end, the tone I thought was very appropriate. It was not American flag waving off in the sunset and the big uh, patriotic ending to this film. I mean, it was a pretty, there was a lot of things that people regret at the end of this film hmm. with some of the actions that had to be taken, but they knew it was for the greater good, but mm-hmm. it was still a conflict for people. Sure. And I think that showed well at the end of the film. It was not this happy, just immensely satisfying ending. You actually felt like some, some people had some stuff. They had some emotional toil taken on them. And uh, to me, I thought the tone of the film for the subject that we're talking about as serious as the subject this was, I thought they handled the tone really, really just right. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, um, I had that, you know, minor problem with Chris Pratt, you know, in that scene. But like you, like you said, the 45 minutes, last 45 minutes worked well for me. And I, I appreciated kind of the realism and the note that it ends on. Mm -hmm. It kind of has a moment with Jessica Chastain. That's kind of, I don't know, just kind of odd. It's Mm -hmm. an odd way to end kind of a big budget movie, but I, I was happy with the way it ended. Also, 
the reality factor, one of the soldiers, I can't remember what position he played in the team on the raid with the Bin Laden compound, yeah. but afterwards they're kind of, they get back to like their base mm-hmm. and he kind of has this, he's kind of acting shell shocked, kind right. of like, what did we just do? I think maybe actually, you know what? I think he was the one who shoots Bin Laden yeah. and he was kind of like, um, something he kind of says this thing where he's not really into it. He's kind yeah. of a little out of it. And that reality aspect kind of grounded the film for yeah, me. I, I worked it was, for me. Overall, I just think the tone was, was handled correctly. They yeah. could have gone, they even a little bit of the over-sentimentality, the over-emotional over side of things would have ruined the film. They got the tone and the balance just right, I think, the whole way through. Um, so Jessica Chastain. <laughs> I was waiting for this. I, okay. I, I, I you admit, help me with you, this, you mentioned um, to me that you were not as thrilled I'm, with her performance. I'm so. having a hard time. I, I think... I don't say I don't want to say her her performance was a weakness for me, but I just don't wow. get all the acclaim. Hmm. I there were times in her performance I honestly felt like I'm watching a high school drama student just recently. Wow. wow. I really felt that way probably fifty percent hmm. of the time she was on the screen. Just lack of emotion or you feel like she was just kind of stating lines. Just stating lines. Huh. Now there were a couple okay. scenes where I think she really gave it her all. There's one scene where she's on a on a speaker phone. And she's really animated, livid. I thought that actually showed some real emotion. Okay. A couple moments towards the end. But otherwise, I just felt like she was kind of going through the motions. And I'm supposed to put on a sad face now, so I put on a sad face. I'm supposed to (laughs) recite these lines, so I recite these lines. I've seen her. I saw her in The Tree of Life. I loved her in The Tree of Life. I thought she was really good in that movie. So I'm not doubting at all that she's not a good actress. Right. I just didn't quite see all the acclaim that she's gotten for this role. I really didn't. Um, that's, that was one, one little weakness for me. Um, hmm. the other thing I'll just point out is more of a style of movie for me. Just these procedural films are always really tough for me where you kind of go through this whole, let's, let's introduce you to every character that had something to do with this and let's explain what their role is, or maybe not even explain their role. You got to kind of figure it out. Okay. And then it's various locations hopping from here to here with to here with different people's names batted around to get to this end result of the film. It's always a tough kind of film for me. I, I've, I've never been a big fan of these very detailed, let's explain every little caveat in this process and introduce you to every single person, especially when some of these people get introduced and they're on screen for just a couple minutes and then they're not needed anymore because they weren't really actually in the story anymore. Gotcha. That's a tough type of film for me to just really embrace in general. So this is a good film. It's an extremely well-made film, no doubt about that in my mind. Um, it did not grab me as much as I think it did other people. Um, but I think that's more of a style of type of film than anything that I just don't gel with as well. Overall though, I mean, you, you, it seemed like the movie worked for you overall. Yeah. And I, I, I think from what you're describing up procedurals mm-hmm. in general, I don't, I don't have, I don't kind of have that hang up on it okay. necessarily, but I will say, and maybe this is what you're getting at. Um, there were times in the film where characters would say phrases and then a little bit later as kind of a segment divider, they mm-hmm. would throw up maybe the the phrase that that person said or they would throw up some All other right. kind of random phrase as kind of like breaking up or maybe trying to show a progression of time. Because, you know, this did span quite yeah, a few years. Was, yeah. I didn't really get what they were going for in that. So, yeah, you're talking about occasionally, almost like you would have chapters in a book. Right. It was like Which maybe that's, maybe that's what they were. And it'd be a phrase, two, three, four word phrase, maybe right. one word phrase. And when you saw the phrase, you didn't quite know at all what that meant. 
as you watch the following section, there Maybe. were times that you picked up on, oh, I understand why now they said those words. But you're right. Other times, there still wasn't a connection I found. Right. Or at least it wasn't very obvious. So, And maybe that was their attempt to try to show you kind of like CIA lingo or kind of, you know, information gathering lingo or something. But it, sure. it didn't really, I don't know, didn't work for me, I guess. Well, Chris, I say we stay clear of any of the controversial discussion that people are having in the political realm about the depiction of to- torture. I'm not at all versed or knowledgeable enough to even try to get into that kind of debate. But I mean, obviously, the depiction of torture in this was really tough to watch. Right. I will at least give it that much. And I think the way they handled it from a film standpoint, it got you right in the middle of it. I feel like this is probably the most of any scene I can think of, of any film depicting torture. This seemed the most realistic, whether it exactly happened like that or not. It did get you right in the middle of it. It was pretty harrowing to watch. Uh, I will, I will give it that much at least. Um, anything else you liked? This didn't like about the film. Um, let's see. I, I liked it. I, it was interesting to me thinking about it where her other movie, Catherine Bigelow director, she did the hurt locker and right. it was also really talked about as being, I mean, she won Oscar for it. Um, uh, yeah. Was it best picture or was it just best director? I can't remember. Best ah, picture? there we go. Nick, the producer says it was best <laughs> picture for uh, hurt locker. So, you know, comparing the similarities between that movie and this movie, you know, um, I, I think this is probably a, a better film. But um, I'll give it that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and uh, kind of an interesting comparing the two endings. Um, Jeremy Renner is this uh, explosions detonating mm-hmm. expert guy, and the ending in that he kind of returns home and has this kind of odd kind of closure moment. And mm-hmm. Jessica Chastain kind of has a similar moment at the end of this film. So I don't know if that's going to become a hallmark of Catherine Bigelow. I mean, this, this, these are not her only two films. She's done no, another one, but I think she did a K-19, the Widowmaker with Harrison Ford. <laughs> there you, from there years you ago. go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but other than that, I don't know of any other, she's not the one that did point break. Did she? Oh, I don't know. Yes. Ah, okay. Hey, Nick, Nick says yes. I love having <laughs> producer Nick here. And I have. We honestly can just ask a question. I know. And, and it just moments, magically. Boom, the answer comes out. Wow. Yeah, um, she did Point Break. Point okay. Break back in the uh, late 80s, Which early 90s. I've never seen. 91. <laughs> and, uh, but since then, I don't think there were too many big movies. Hmm. Uh, so this is, this whole, these last two films have been a little bit of a resurgence and a very yeah. different style for her, obviously, yeah. film wise, too. Uh, going strictly away from the dramatic storylines to more depictions of real events, especially with all of the military and government involvement. Well, and I'm going to just kind of throw something out there to, for you to comment on. I'm impressed with it. I have have a Mm. feeling you will be. Um, I believe this movie had started production and everything was going on and they, you know, already got actors assigned and they were making the movie and the real event with bin Laden being killed happened. And they they, kind of had planning. The film was just going to be about the search for bin Laden without there being an ending. Right. So he was actually found and killed while they were in production. Right. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That is. And I think I think knowing that, the film didn't feel to me disjointed or like it, it felt still felt like a natural progression Absolutely. in the film for that to happen and it didn't seem odd the way that it transpired. So I, I thought that was cool. And I'm glad it happened the way it did, timing wise, because I don't know I don't know how the movie would have worked for me if it didn't have the ending that it did. You know, yeah, it would you, be it would, it would be curious to, to see close out the film, right? Without having some sort of ending to to grab onto onto. Anyway, it would have been a very different film, that's for sure. 
Sure. And you would have, wouldn't have had that 45 minute raid sequence, which I still think is the hallmark of the whole, of the whole film. I, you know? it's, it works really well. And yeah, I agree. I think it's the best part yeah. of the film, even though you already know what's going to happen, which still, that's the way it was done. Right. Very, very well done. Agreed. Okay. So zero dark 30, probably still out there playing in a few theaters right now. And of course it is a, 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 one of the running favorites for a lot of awards come Oscar season here, the Oscar awards on February 20 something. So we encourage you to go check it out. If you have not seen that, uh, definitely worth checking out. I think Chris and I both agree on that. So Chris, you ready to move on to our second review? Yes. Your voice is still holding out. I, I think so. Good. Yeah. All right. We're moving on to our second review for this, this, uh, at this episode, which is silver linings playbook. So, Pat, what's this I hear about you just getting out? From the loony bin! I thought you said you had it together. You were solid. I am solid. I was solid at the game. I don't know where I belong. Hey! Oh, what the hell? I just want us to be friends. So how did you lose your job? I'm having sex with everybody in the office. Everybody? I was very depressed after Tommy died. We don't have to talk about it. Thanks. How many were there? Don't let Tiffany get you in trouble. She's my friend. Why would you say that? Alan, you are a David O. Russell fan. True or false? True. Okay. His latest Silver Linings playbook has Bradley Cooper of Hangover fame. Hangover and, I might note, Alias, the TV show. Uh, old J.J. Abrams TV show. Okay. That's where I actually first saw him in. Loved Alias. Thought it was a brilliant TV show. So it's kind of neat to see him in a... Much different role. But yes, please. And I'm Limitless. Sorry, Are you going to forget that? <laughs> I, I never saw Limitless. <laughs> yeah, you're okay. Yeah. Okay. And then Jennifer Lawrence of yes. Hunger Games. Which I still have not seen. Okay. So he has these two people that have gotten recent, pretty recent fame. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then he also has Robert De Niro. I've heard okay. of him. You've, yeah, he's, he's mm-hmm. an up and comer. He's, he's a good guy. <laughs> and uh, Jackie Weaver. Yes. Okay. She was uh, in Animal Kingdom a couple yes. years ago and nominated for Best Actress there. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, just given that rundown of those, you know, their careers. Now, all four of them mm-hmm. are nominated for Oscars this year. Pretty crazy. In addition, Mr. Russell, his picture is nominated and he is nominated as director. Yes. And then it has other awards as well. This movie, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty big movie out there. It's pretty well hyped. Scully's, you know, nominations. After seeing the movie, Alan, do you feel like you were kind of criticizing Jessica Chastain a little bit? Or not her, but her performance. Yeah, you know, yeah. kind of, I was a little hard on her performance. Do you think all this buzz on Silver Linings Playbook, do you think it's warranted? Yes, I do. Okay. Actually, I, I'm going to go ahead and go on record. This is, my, this is tied for my favorite movie of the year. Oh, wow. last year. Okay. I am counting it as a last year movie, even though I okay. saw it in January, but it was officially released in 2012, so we'll count that. Sure. It's tied with The Master for me, as far as my hmm. favorite movie. Okay. I, I freaking love this movie. <laughs> I thought it was great. Um, do you want me to just run down the things well, I like? This may take a while. So well, let me, no. let me let me ask you a question first. I I have not had a chance to see mm-hmm. Silver Linings Playbook. I have seen some of his other films. I heard Huckabee's, The Fighter, mm-hmm. Three Kings. You know, he has certain hallmarks in his movies. Yes, um, especially the ones I'm specifically talking about I Heart Huckabees and Flirting with Disaster kind of unusual quirky characters but not in the sense of Wes Anderson they're like no they're not caricature quirky characters right. they're meant to be David O. Russell's are, are much more grounded in reality he still likes to play with the quirky characters and storylines but he doesn't overdo it they don't become they don't become cartoons okay you know? and I think Wes Anderson although I love his films 
his characters are cartoons. They are animated versions of characters in a way, perfectly drawn and stitched the way he wants to show them. David O. Russell's, I think, more to say, here's a guy with some, some interesting quirks to him, but I want him to be as natural as possible and as realistic as he would be on, on, on screen here. So in Silver Linings Playbook, mm-hmm. the Bradley Cooper plays a former teacher that's had some problems. He's yes. been in a mental institution. Yes. He's now out. And it talks about him trying to find his way. Was that so? That wasn't a quirky performance. It wasn't. I mean, but this movie does I, have funny elements. Well, it's not just I a hate straight. Using the word quirky because you know, having I knowing some people in my life that have share some very similar traits mm. to Pat's character, which is Bradley Cooper. Okay, um, I thought this was a really, really spot on performance of somebody that dealing with a mental illness, they've got a little bit of disillusionment of what's really happening in their life. Mm -hmm. They feel like they're supposed to be doing this or this is supposed to be happening, but everybody around them knows that's not happening. His whole thing, and this isn't given away much, this is very clearly explained in the first few minutes of the film. He gets out of the mental institution fully anticipating to reconnect with his wife. He's married. Ah, Gotcha. Which everybody else around him knows that's not going to happen. His Ah. wife is gone. She has left him. She... Filed a restraining order, everything. Gotcha. But he has just got it in his head that, no, we're going to be back together. I just have to do this. And I just have to do this. And once mm. I show her this, we're going to be back together. You get somebody who's who's so f- single focused on that. And that's really what his character is this whole time. It's so focused on that outcome mm-hmm. and believing to himself that's what's going to happen. You know, it's one of those things where you, you sympathize with his parents, which are the, the Robert De Niro and Jackie Weaver characters okay. playing his parents. Of course, he's coming back into their home. It's a little bit of a tense situation because they're always having to kind of watch out for him and make sure he's not doing something that's going to hurt himself or cause problems for anybody else. You know, it's, 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 wow. It's a lot of great family dynamics going on for seeing this kind of situation. Okay. That to me was the most impressive part of the whole film. The, the relationship with Jennifer Lawrence, we'll get to in a minute. I mean, that's good in itself, but the parts of the film I really enjoyed were watching him interact with his mother and father hmm. and trying to integrate him back into their family dynamic. Okay. That to me was extremely well done. Great, great scenes that were, some of them were just outright hilarious. Hmm. And then others were downright wrenching. There's one scene in particular where I think it's the middle of the night and they're trying to calm him down and he's just not having it and it's hmm. up in his attic and. You just you feel for the whole family because it's just really really uh, tough to watch. Okay. So um, overall, though, I Bradley Cooper was very surprising. In this I thought it's the best thing I've ever seen him do. Okay, and uh, he's not an actor I've ever thought much about or had much uh, regard for. I mean, other than Alias, he played a nice little supporting role. He was kind of an interesting character, very different than how he is now in films. But he was kind of the nerdy sidekick character back then. So now to see him in a little more of a leading role, still a little odd. Hmm. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, I really, other than winter's bone, I hadn't really seen her in anything. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen hunter hunger games. Haven't caught up with that whole thing yet. Um, yeah, she, she's definitely got some good acting chops going on. There's no doubt about cool. that. Uh, Robert De Niro, I will say on record, I think this is the best thing Robert De Niro's done probably 15 years at least. Hmm. Um, I haven't seen all of his films in the last 15, 20 years, but as far as the ones I can actually think of that I know he put in a good performance, I think this is the best thing he's done in a really, really long time. Wow. Um, well, it sounded, overall, it sounds like you're pretty 
you know, pretty enthusiastic about the film. Very kind positive. of a glowing review yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, having said that, I have not seen the film, but I have heard detractors, and there mm-hmm. are those out there who are detracting from the film. They say the last, mm-hmm. I guess, kind of the closing moments the of the film, the ending, well, they feel like is a little thundering cliche. You know, they feel like, and you know, especially for David O. Russell. It's very so, Okay. I will say that. I, I actually was my, down as my number one dislike about the film. Okay. And it wasn't really a dislike. It was just, it was a little disappointing, the huh. direction they went. The ending is very formulaic. It's very cliched. It's pretty much what you'd expect the ending to be after you watch the movie, get through most of the movie. The movie had worked hard enough to win me over that I, I would gave it a pass on the ending. Okay. Would I have liked to seen something a little more challenging, a little more interesting ending? Sure. Did it end on a very, you know, kind of some eyes in the theater may have gotten a little misty here and there from some people. Hmm. Yeah, it did. And it worked for, for, for that purpose. Um, but yeah, it was a little formulaic, but I'm not going to say to anybody that they shouldn't go see the movie just because of that last 10 or 15 minutes. Okay. Um, the other thing I was going to say, Jackie Weaver was fine, but Oscar nominated. I didn't get that at all. Really? Her, her, okay. her role was the smallest of the four. Is it, it was fine, but it huh. just wasn't anything that just jumps out at you and says, wow, that was a great acting job. Um, where the other three, I think all have a legitimate reason to be nominated for their acting categories. Hmm. Jackie Weaver was the only one I thought, eh, that one may have been a stretch. Okay. Um, the last thing I'll mention about the film that just was a little, little bit bugged me. There's a big age difference between Bradley ah. Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. And I mean, he's playing a 35, maybe 40, low thirties, low 30, yeah, okay. something like that. Maybe. And she low, is playing. I don't know what she's playing. She's playing a lot older than she really is. Ah. But in reality, she's still low twenties. Okay. I think he's in higher thirties. Okay. It's a good 15, 16 year age gap between them, really. It doesn't show as much on the film. They do a pretty good job of, of bringing their ages together. But at times, you still look at them and say, eh, you know, they're like, they're pretty far apart <laughs> age wise. This is a little, could be borderline creepy in some places. Ah, if you look at it. Okay. That's my only issues with the film. And there again, the ending, I'm going to give it a pass on. Jackie Weaver, it wasn't uh, a dislike. It was just, I thought her performance is a little overrated. Okay. And the age difference, I think that's just something you got to get past. If you know who these actors are, you just got to kind of throw that out the window. Gotcha. Otherwise, just a great film. I really, really enjoyed this film. And Chris, I'll tell you, any movie that can work the white stripes, hmm. fell in love with a girl, okay. into a ballroom dancing competition. Nice. You might like it. I'm, uh, yeah, like it sounds part, like so. I'll like yeah, that. Not bad. <laughs> uh, David Russell, I think, you know, The Fighter was one of my favorite films a few couple years ago. Three Kings, I Heart Huckabees, Flirting with Disaster. I mean, yeah, he, uh, plus I just found out recently he was an executive producer on Anchorman. So hey. his status just rose even higher <laughs> in my book right now. Okay. Very excited to see what he does next. Sure. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Good. Well, that's our two reviews for, uh, for this show. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll hit some movie news and uh, also talk about some of our recommendations for this episode. So stay tuned for Foot Candle Films. We'll be right back. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. 
Welcome back to Foot Candle Films. Uh, in the first part of the show, we did our reviews of Zero Dark Thirty and of Silver Lining Playbook. Both, uh, you know, I had good positive reviews on both of them. Chris on Zero Dark Thirty as well. Asking the rest of the crew in the room here, uh, Zero Dark Thirty, who's seen that? Both are saying yes. Have both given it a thumbs up. You yep. liked it? Silver Lining Playbook. What about that? Loved it. You haven't? Uh, Caitlin has not seen that. I Nick, saw it. Nick did. Did you like it? Yeah. You're not just saying that because I played it up really big <laughs> on the show, right? Okay, good. So we're kind of all in agreement on the films we've talked about. Two good ones today to talk about. Excellent. So let's talk about some movies that maybe are going to be further down the pipeline. Maybe ones we're talking about at future episodes as well. Got some okay. interesting ones to talk about today. All right. Steven Soderbergh has a new film out that just just came out this week, uh, Side Effects. Yes. Uh, supposedly, between this, that film, and the one I'm getting ready to talk about, are supposed to be his last films. And I'm putting the air quotes oh, up in the air as I do last films. So, like, him and Kevin Smith and supposedly... Well, Kevin Smith's never going to retire. Quentin Tarantino, which you hear he's yeah, only going to do TV. These people are, like, going to Kevin off Smith already announced Clerks 3 that he's going to work on. So, he's going to keep really? going. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. He's going to keep going. Cool. Soderbergh <laughs> supposedly is retiring. Okay. Um, so, you've got side effects in the movie theater. It's like James now. Brown. They can, like, go in away, then they throw the cape off, right. and they come back. <laughs> it's, a, it's the cinematic James Brown. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, there's a film called Behind the Candelabra. Wait a second. Mm, I'm going with this? <laughs> I think, okay. yeah. Which is about Liberace. Okay, yeah. Steven Soderbergh. We might have mentioned this in passing at a previous uh, Foot Candle Films, but the film is going to HBO. It's not going to theaters. Now, did they just because? How? I think it did have a hard time getting acceptance from some of the movie studios. Huh. Um, this Here's the interesting thing about this movie. So, Because I know who stars in it. And I kinda... Yeah, it's, it's Michael Douglas playing right. Liberace. Michael Douglas plays Liberace from age 50-some till his death. Okay. All right. So he gets a little bit of a range, but he still starts out at 50. Okay. So he's not, it's not Michael Douglas. They're not going to put tons of prosthetic, prosthetic makeup to make him look like he's in his 20s or 30s. Right, right. He's going to play pretty close to his age most of the time. Um, he plays Liberace, and Matt Damon plays his secret lover, Scott Thorson. Hmm. All right? Okay. Who, this is the interesting thing I did not know. Who Liberace eventually transformed via plastic surgery into a replica of Liberace's younger self. What? Yeah. Just read that in the description the other day. So there again, that's the story that they're telling. Supposedly, this is based Whoa. on Scott Thornton's, <laughs> Thorson's uh, biography. Okay. He talks about his life with Liberace. And according to him, Liberace paid for him, paid to, for be- him to get plastic surgery to the point where he wanted him to look like Liberace's own younger self. Wow. Let that kind of percolate in your brain for a little bit. Yeah. Well, anyway, the, okay. the, the deal on the street is supposedly that this film did not get picked up by big studios. Um, supposedly, they're very concerned about the very homosexual well, content. I mean, it's supposedly yeah. very, very, it's very deep in that area. Right. Um, and so now HBO's picked it up and we'll be showing it as a film here pretty soon. Now, is it, are they going to, so it will be just, it won't be like a two part type thing. It is just, I think it's actually just a, a true HBO theatrical movie, movie okay. just going straight to HBO okay. instead of uh, going to a movie theater. So they're not going to do it in like parts or a mini series. Not that I'm aware okay. of. Okay. No. Huh. That's what I've been hearing there. Now I'm really anxious to see Michael, Michael Douglas play this part. Cause I mean, it's been a little while since the last time I've seen him in a role. I know he's had a lot of health problems. He is obviously aging as an actor, but sure. you know, this is 
I can imagine be a pretty challenging role for somebody. I would uh, think so, and it's kind of against type for him because it's like the last type. thing I can think of is in the the second Wall Street movie that Oliver oh, Stone yeah, did, and yeah. that you know he's playing the Gordon Gecko thing. I think so. the last one I saw was Wonder Boys, which okay. was still him, playing right. a, You know, getting on up there age wise. Right. He's always played a very masculine, yeah. uh, macho. Not really macho, but a very ladies' man type of character, right. and all. So to play, this is really him going completely against That's, time. Very flamboyant, yeah. Um, performer should be really interesting to see. Huh. I'm interested in this movie not only because uh, you know it is Michael Douglas playing this role. I'm interested now in the story, which I knew nothing about. Sure. Interested in the fact that it did go straight to HBO, mm-hmm. and of course, supposedly being Soderbergh's last film. That we that we'll see released. I, wonder, I want to see if that holds true or not. And Soderbergh is kind of an interesting character. In and of himself, and I wonder what drew him to this material. I don't know because it doesn't seem like something he would be interested in doing. Like when he did Che, mm-hmm. that made sense to me because that was about a revolutionary and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I actually never saw that, although I heard it was good. But and that was released in two parts and all this mm-hmm. kind. Of, and that made sense to me. But this, I, I, I'm kind of interested what drew him to it. So. I'm not sure either. You know, the thing I still admire about Soderbergh is his projects are so all over the spectrum. That's true. Which is great. I mean, you can't say that there's a specific type of film that, a Soder- that Soderbergh does. True. When you go all the way from Sex, Lies, and Videotape to the Ocean's 11, 12, 13 <laughs> movies, I mean, that's about true. as far apart as you can get film-wise. But he's, he's covered every, everything in between, too. He's done uh, sci-fi remakes with mm-hmm. Solaris. He's done a lot of great stuff. Um, so I'm I'm curious about this one. This seems to have a little more story backstory to it than I think some of his other work recently has. So. Interesting. Now this next news item I'm going to mention. Gosh, I don't even know where to go with it because it's still very vague right now. But I'm just I came back from Disney World. Okay. I was at Disney World a couple of weeks ago with the family. hadn't been there in a really long time. Had a great time. So I come back and did I you see JJ Abrams there? Oh yeah, I mean we had dinner um, <laughs> awesome. at Planet Hollywood because you know, that's where all the celebrities hang out. Sure. And uh, we talked about we talked about Star Wars. I totally Excellent. know what's going to happen. Awesome. He already told me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> then I wake up from my dream. Right. Um, <laughs> so there's a, a project that has, I think, something to do with Walt Disney and Disney World and Land or whatever it may be. Okay. Brad Bird is directing a project. Damon Lindelof is writing it, who from Lost Fame, Lost okay. Writer. George Clooney starring in it. And they were throwing okay. out a lot of teases out there using the number 1952 to talk about the film. Okay. Just recently, they released a still, a publicity still of an open suitcase that has things like a, an old 1950s sci-fi comic book about, you know, a guy with a jetpack, kind of a rocketeer type of thing. You've got all these little other little artifacts in the suitcase. And it's all still meant to be very much a mystery what the film is. But now the name of it has been announced as Tomorrowland. Hmm. Rumors are floating around that it may have something to do with Walt Disney, possibly some involvement with the space program back at that time, maybe some... Imagineering of of ideas and things having to do with the future and with hmm. space and I don't know I'm just curious because you put together these these people Brad Bird I really like as a director right he did the Iron Giant as an animated film he did Ratatouille animated he did the fourth Mission Impossible as a live action film he did the Incredibles 
Oh, yeah, he did The Incredibles as well. Okay. So he's a very, very talented director. He's kind of got that 1950s vibe mm-hmm. to his movies from The Iron Giant and The Incredibles. Sure. Um, then, of course, Damon Lindelof, you know, who wrote a lot of Lost, which right. we both liked as a show. Huh. George Clooney typically gets involved in some pretty good projects. I thought that would be interesting. Like I said, it's very early phases. I'm, just, I'm enough in a Disney stand frame of mind that if I hear something that has to do anything at all, with Walt Disney and some, and do that, we know? We don't I know if they're it. releasing it. We don't know if Disney's behind it. Don't know. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know that. So, Disney's releasing it. Oh, okay. okay. So it is a Disney film. Okay. So it very well could be a behind the scenes of planning well, to help the space program from a Disney standpoint or something. I don't know. Okay. If I hadn't seen Pirates of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. if that whole thing had never happened, then I think I would be worried about this. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is I hear Tomorrowland. I'm like, they're just doing a movie and they're going to somehow use it to try to promote Tomorrowland right, yeah. at Disney World. That sounds like a horrible, horrible idea, which is exactly what I thought about Pirates of the Caribbean when I heard they were making a movie. But I'm like, what? Yeah. That's you know dumb. That'll never work. That's stupid. Why would they want to do that? However, <laughs> having been through that, I I think this it's, it's interesting. It has me intrigued, yeah. you know. Well, it's enough of a mystery project. I think they're doing the whole J.J. Abrams thing where they're right. trying to really tease and, and play it up. I'm curious because I do like George Clooney as an actor. Yeah, I think yeah. in general, he picks good parts. Uh, there's I not too so. many clunker films I can think of that he's been in. Um, speaking of George Clooney, this is part B to that one. Okay. Uh, this may now be my top vote getter for most interesting film that I've heard about that they're working on. Okay. My most anticipated film, unless I hear... Something bad about it in, in the meantime. <laughs> George Clooney is directing a new film. Okay. Here's the cast. Matt Damon, Daniel Craig, Kate Blanchett, George Clooney, Bill Murray, hmm. John Goodman, and Jean Dujardin. Okay. The project's called The Monuments Men. And here's the synopsis. In a race against time... A crew of art historians and museum curators <laughs> unite to recover renowned works of art stolen by Nazis before Hitler destroys them. Okay, I'm. Where do I? So find it's my like tickets? it's like Ocean's Eleven mixed with Night at the Museum. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. okay, Night at the Museum, mate. <laughs> it, it's a museum. I think that's the only okay. connection you can make to that okay. film. You've got a really good all-star cast. Yes, right. Ocean's Eleven sounds like there could be a lot of. Uh, you know, uh, plots and trying to figure out uh, different missions to go on to go get these things. Huh. Got a historical perspective because I imagine that probably is something that could have happened to some degree or may have had some. Uh, when there a Simpsons episode where they tried, they had like a Hitler had stolen a masterpiece and Abe Simpson like got it back from. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can't they ripped off a Simpsons episode. I think they might have, yeah. but it sounds like an interesting premise, though. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I. Although you know, I, I looked at I looked at George Clooney's uh, directing list, and I don't actually think I've seen any of his films. Well, some people out there like Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I am not one of those. You don't like that? I never no. saw it. I, I liked Leatherheads. Um, See, I haven't seen Good Night and Good Luck either. Oh, really? No. And I, I like that one okay, but I actually I'm kind of a fan of uh, Leatherheads. And then he did The Ides of March, which I haven't seen either. Well, I saw that. It was yeah. okay. Right, I mean, so nothing's yeah. really just. Jumped out and really got you on his directing list as much. No, but it's, I mean, it, they're worth seeing. It's not like yeah. it's garbage or anything. Yeah. So, 
Well, I'm curious. I yeah, like him yeah. as an actor, but I can't speak to any of his directorial efforts. But um, I'm the whole plot and the cast. I'm very, very interested in this project. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. Huh. Last little bit, and this will be a quick one. Okay. Because we, I think we talked about the Star Trek movie months ago when they were working on it, maybe, and it got the big sequel coming out. And it's, how they paid a lot of money at the Super Bowl for there to be a blackout so it could be like Into Darkness or whatever, just like yeah. Into Darkness. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. That was all. <laughs> they are the out. cause yeah. of the blackout. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a, not a controversy, but a little bit of a, a, a lot of guesswork going on with regards to the villain of the film. Okay. Benedict Cumberbatch. Which has got the best name ever. He does. Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, who I know most as playing Sherlock in the BBC version of Sherlock, which is leaps and bounds above what CBS is trying to (laughs) do. I haven't seen the CBS version, but I've seen parts of it and it's not good. Okay. Uh, So he's Sherlock in my mind. He is the modern day Sherlock. Got you. Um, Beyond that, you know, he's in a lot of roles, films coming out soon, but he hasn't really had a big role in a film that we would have seen in the last couple of years. Gotcha. Really, the BBC Sherlock has put him on the map, and now he's getting snatched up for every possible role you can imagine. Okay. I think he's actually tapped to play uh, Julian Assange, the uh, WikiLeaks oh. founder, in like a okay. biopic about that. Interesting. Anyway, in this film, the new Star Trek film, which is J.J. Abrams, so he mm-hmm. has now worked his way back into our conversation again, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, he's playing the bad guy. Okay. He is listed as playing a character called John Harrison, which means absolutely nothing to anybody. No. In the trailer and in these publicity stills, he's wearing a Starfleet uniform. Okay. So he's a Starfleet member or past member or something. Gotcha. All the rumors out there is that it's Khan. Really? Yeah. Supposedly the rumors are that they're going and dipping back into the Wrath of Khan well. Hmm. And that Khan, who, if you'll remember, Somehow was actually in the Kirk TV or whatever. Show. Okay. Yeah, he was in the TV show first. Then he was in, obviously, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, the best Star Trek movie. Got you. And that was the big performance that uh, Ricardo Montalban put on. And <laughs> yeah. Other than Fantasy Island, that's really what the guy's known for. Sure. So all the rumors are, as supposedly Entertainment Weekly even leaked a little headline calling him Khan. Oh. So there's a lot of rumors going around. Is he truly Khan? Is he maybe Khan's son? Hmm. Maybe in this whole alternate reality that they've set up with the Star Trek movies, maybe it's a different timeline we don't know huh. anyway something that any of you guys that are in the uh playing the genre movie game and waiting to see this summer's uh crop of films that's obviously one of them i think it comes out earlier in the summer like may maybe we well, you know if that's if that's true i'd hate to say it but that would actually make me interested in it because from the trailer i saw even though i like yeah. Um, the Benedict actor who's yes yes him <laughs> even though i like him from the sherlock series i really wasn't interested in seeing the second Star Trek movie at all. Yeah. I don't know. I just felt like, I don't know. I'm excited to see it because I was never a Star Trek fan uh, okay. of the TV show. I liked some of the movies because they hit right at the time where I was really going to the movies like a sure. week and I saw them. Uh, but I've always been more of a Star Wars guy. So the Star Trek thing was never a big thing for me. I really liked J.J. Abrams' Star Trek though. Enough to where I was eagerly anticipating this next movie. And I like Benedict Cumberbatch enough to say, you know what? You're going to sign up. If he's getting to, to really ham it up as a villain in a Star Trek movie, I'm there, ready to see it. Hmm. So, okay. anyway, that's kind of the hodgepodge of news I had, things that are, are piquing my interest right now in the movie, movie news world there. So. Okay. so, Chris, let's go ahead and wrap up the show here with what we normally do at the end of our big show, which is we talk about our online recommendations. These are films that we hope you'd be able to find through a Netflix or Hulu or iTunes or some other online service. Because we know the blockbuster videos, 
they're gone. I mean, they're just, I don't even know where one is anymore. Netflix, you can drop by and get a movie at Netflix. Or I'm not. Redbox. Uh, Redbox. But those are also somewhat limited. Sure. We want to make sure we're mentioning films that people can get a hold of pretty easily. So, Chris, you want to start us off. What's your recommendation for this show? Well, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit because I've mentioned this movie before. Um, I can't remember when we recorded if I'd actually seen it or not. But um, the one I'm going to recommend is Five Broken Cameras. And when we did our Oscar pick show, I mentioned that it was available on Netflix. And it okay. just been named a bit. Well, now I've had a chance to see it. Um, and, I, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. And a brief synopsis is basically it's a Palestinian farmer who gets a hold of some video cameras. And obviously, five hence the title Mm -hmm. and he documents his life over the course of a couple of years and they all break i take it and yes and um some of them very you get to see a lot of them getting broken because he gets shot at and Mm. the camera suddenly starts not working you know like you'll see the camera fall down and he gets injured when this happens and like in real like yes okay yes um and like has to be hospitalized sometimes he gets um put in uh, jails and mm-hmm. he gets taken into police custody and you see the effects on his family and he has some sons and you see the effects on them. Hmm. And uh, originally that he gets the very first camera because uh, one of his sons is born. And so he kind of buys the camera to like document like, Oh, you know, right. here's my newborn son. And, and so you see a lot of, you know, kind of his son growing up, which is kind of neat that he kind of documents that in the midst of documenting this Palestinian village that is being encroached upon by um, settlements by Israel. And so it's kind of an interesting perspective on that. And you yeah. hear about this in the news, but to kind of see it documented from a villager's perspective, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting. Wow. And I, I would recommend it to someone who is interested in that whole situation and, and only hears what they hear on the headlines just to kind of spend time with it. And I don't know. Well, appreciate, it, and it's not government. You, you see it from the perspective of an individual, not from a government perspective. Obviously, he's a little biased because he is a Palestinian, sure. but still, it's it's an interesting take from a filmmaking standpoint. Though, I mean, is it a more amateurish shot documentary? But the the the, the whole thing is that you're actually seeing something real happening, yeah. or is it that this guy is a pretty pretty. He makes some pretty well-made documentaries, and it's a very polished piece. Uh, no, it, I wouldn't say it's polished. I mean, it's polished from the perspective of obviously he has a lot of footage to work with, and he's very deliberate in how he's piecing things together. Mm-hmm. But the camera work is just like you know video camcorder type footage. Mm-hmm. So you know it's not like the cinematography is amazing, but some of the shots that he is capturing are kind of amazing. Like mm-hmm. you see soldiers doing things, you see people getting tear gassed and you know you to be able to see all that's kind of impressive mm-hmm. and then you also see shots of um the community in this little village that he lives in like protesting and you see all the different people and it's i don't know it's a aspect of today's world that i'm aware of but just to actually see it in a little bit more detail was very eye-opening so I, I would recommend it and like i say it's one of the nominees for a uh, best documentary this year so five broken cameras yes and it's available on netflix and several other places so. awesome well i'm cheating as well it's okay. a film you've actually recommended before ah okay. that i finally got around to seeing okay uh bernie Aha. uh and i know you said you liked it mm-hmm. but 
I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and assume you maybe didn't praise it as much as it needed to be because I really <laughs> we actually have a listener, um, Sharon Gilmore, who was talking to me the other day. She didn't write in, but she actually saw me and she was talking to me about how much she liked the movie yeah. and was praising our show really for bringing it to movie. her attention. So good, you're going to give it more love. That's oh, yeah, good. Absolutely. I that was a really nice surprise. I mean, I, I'd already wanted to see it. Then I heard you mention it as a recommendation. I finally got around to seeing. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a good movie. Jack Black was really good in the film. Good. Um, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, somebody let's, else. Let's, somewhere, somewhere. let's talk about Matthew McConaughey yeah. for a second. How did you feel about? I him? really liked his performance. See, in there. I think the people. Okay, there's some people out there that say he's a little, a little too hammy, and I'm and like, no, they're they're good. wrong. Yeah, they're just yeah, wrong. Absolutely, they're wrong. Okay, granted, I don't know the real person that this guy's like intimidating, but. I think, like, in the movie, you understand that, yeah, he's this, like, DA who's coming in. He's trying to make a name for himself. He doesn't care about Justin. He doesn't care about... He's just there to, like, glorify himself. So I thought his performance was dead on. That was great. You know, I'd, like... It didn't take me out of the film. No, I just I hear I hear people making that criticism. I'm like, no, really? I don't buy it at all. I thought his yeah. performance was great. It's probably my, one of my favorite things of the film. I thought he was really good. Jack Black was really good. Shirley MacLaine was good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was just in uh, the whole mixture of the testimonials, the interviews, whether they were fake or real. Some were fake. Some were real. Uh, it didn't matter to me. I really liked that style. It just helped fill in a lot of the blanks. And I think. Hearing the townspeople perspective, because this being a, a story that takes place in a small town, right? the other people's perspectives of what was going on was just as important as the actual dialogue that the characters were saying. I agree. So I, I really liked it. And I didn't know if I was going to like that approach to it at first. But once I got into the flow of it, it's like, oh, yeah, this totally helps flesh out everything. Because if you were just watching this story, and again, this is about a, a, a gentleman who is a funeral director, mm-hmm. befriends a a, elder, a widow, a very wealthy widow. That almost no one likes. No one in the town <laughs> likes, but he befriends her and right. he becomes her companion. Mm-hmm. Then she dies. And I'm not going to say any more about that for the people who haven't seen the film. And he's suspected of uh, of being involved with her death. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, now you got this big trial and everything else going on with that. If you didn't have all those interviews and perspectives from the townspeople in that format, you wouldn't have understand how tricky a trial this would have been because on the surface, uh, yeah, he was guilty. Um, yeah, he needs to go to jail. But the fact that everybody's fighting for him saying, oh, no, 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 he's, he's just right. such a good guy. He shouldn't go to jail for this. You're like, really? Everybody in the town saying this guy <laughs> should get away with murder. murder. Right. <laughs> so, it's. I, I thought it was a really good film. That was very, very good. Um, yeah, I just. I was really pleased with it. So thank you for recommending as well. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, yeah it's good. Good. Well, I guess that's it for today. We talked about a lot of good films today. True. Zero Dark Thirty, Silver Linings Playbook. Gave a couple great uh, uh, suggestions with Five Broken Cameras and Bernie as a kind of a, a a redo of the recommendation from before. Got a little movie news out there. Some interesting things we're going to keep our eyes on. Uh, we are moving to doing this show twice a month. I think it's going to be our plan going forward. We're going to try to do two shows uh, twice a month where we talk about at least one or two film reviews, give some news and recommendations. Now I think that format's going to work pretty good for everybody. Probably not going to do too many of the spotlights going forward. Instead, we're going to try to put everything into these two big shows that we do every month and, and leave it at that. So if you have any suggestions, questions, ideas, your own film recommendations we ought to check out. Please drop us a line. Let us know. You can send an email to info at themesh.tv. That's how you get in touch with us through the network that we're on, which is themesh.tv. 
or if you're interested in what we're doing as a film society, of course, that's more for just people here in the uh, Western North Carolina area. But if you're interested in what we're doing as a film society, the screenings that we're holding, you can find information about the film society at footcandle.org. That's another way to reach us. There's a contact us form on that site as well. So a couple different ways to get a hold of us. We'd love to hear from you. Please go back on the mesh.tv and check out all of our past episodes as well. Uh, listen to some of the reviews that maybe you missed or if you've seen a film recently and want to go back and hear our take on it, go back and check out our archives and see what kind of episodes we have still available. And also try to play along with us for our Oscars. Uh, oh, yeah. So if you go to our website, www.footcandle.org slash Oscars and go to that and you'll be able to fill out a ballot and maybe you'll win if you get the most choices correct. Yeah. So so what we do is you, you go ahead and fill out your ballot. You go ahead and choose every winner and then you get one point for every winner you get right on the list of all the awards. And we're going to try to tally up and see of all of our listeners who's got the most points and we'll have some goodies to send out your way. And so obviously if you listen to our Oscars podcast and you just pick everybody that I picked, you're going to win. So if you want to, you know, sure. Actually, Chris, you did pretty good last year, didn't you? I did, but I'm kind of second guessing uh, some of my stuff now. Got to admit because of silver linings playbook, I think that's kind of coming back around and actually the whole Argo thing. Yeah. I think Argo may resurge. And well, unfortunately, resurgence. though, I hate to say it, I don't think Silver Lines Playbook is going to win that much. Really? I think it's going to be known for all the nominations and not and really nothing. many wins. Okay. Yeah, so. They'll get the goodie bag, though. Oh, they'll, they'll get their little Oscar goodie bag, absolutely. Okay. They get four of them. Five of them. <laughs> there you go. The director. Um, so yes, footkindle.org backslash Oscars is where you can go to play along at home, fill out your ballot, submit it with your name and email address. We will, uh, after the award ceremony, we'll tally it up, see who's the winner and notify you and probably announce it on one of these shows as well. So, all right. Well, that's all we've got for today. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to foot candle films. I'm Alan. I'm Chris. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.